Welcome to Demystify Magic with Molly and Madison. I'm Molly, a former skeptic turned full-time energy healer and teacher. And I'm Madison, a born and raised witch running my family's crystal shop. And we're here to explore all things woo through the lens of both science and spirituality so that you can find the moments of magic in your everyday life and create an intentional spiritual practice. So if that's what you're into, find a cozy spot, take a deep breath, and let's demystify some magic. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the pod. Hi, how's it going? It's going. How are you? It's going. (laughs) (laughs) We are moving through. We are filming this on the day of the July 3rd full moon. And I feel it. I'm feeling it for sure. For sure. For sure. I'm always so surprised. Like, you know, when you see memes of like, oh, I've been crying for three days and you know, I'm like extra grouchy and blah, blah, blah. And so, and here I am surprised that I got my period today. That's how I feel on the full moon and the new moon. Mm, yeah, that tracks. Like I'm always surprised by my behavior. And then I'm like, oh, it's the full moon. <laughs> yeah, story of my life, story of my life. Anyways, if you're just tuning in, last week we talked about two of the Claire senses. These are ways that your intuition can show up for you, where you can receive messages from your intuition. We talked last week about claircognizance and clairsentience. This week we're going to talk about two more of the main Claire's. So we are talking about clairvoyance, which you I'm willing to bet you've heard that word before. We're also going to talk about clairaudience, which I feel like some people have heard of, but a lot of people don't really understand what it is. So I'm excited to dive into that. Before we get started, I do want to just put a cute little plug in here because we've talked a lot about Reiki on the pod so far. And I wanted to give you a heads up that the doors to register for Reiki One, the Science of Self-Healing are opening on August 1st. This is my introductory Reiki training that will teach you how to use Reiki to relieve pain, manage stress, reduce anxiety. So if you've been curious about learning Reiki, wanting to do Reiki for yourself, definitely check that out. We'll leave all the details details in the show notes. I'm also doing a free workshop on August 1st. You can learn all about the training, learn all about Reiki, get your answers to your questions, get your questions answered. (laughs) So check that out. I only open the doors twice a year. So get in on that if you're listening to it before August 1st. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Highly recommend. (laughs) As someone who's technically graduated from Reiki 1 twice with Molly, (laughs) um, loved it both times. All right. We want to kick off with your magic moment. Yeah, I have a weird magic moment because um, I I feel like it's so interesting because I'm, you know, at the point in my life where I feel like nothing about me surprises me because I'm so obsessively introspective and obsessed with like self-discovery. But I've learned something new about myself in the last couple of weeks that makes no sense to anyone, myself mostly. And that is that I have learned that I love superhero movies. <laughs> I I don't know what it is. But in the last month, I've watched Aquaman. I've watched two Wonder Woman movies. And this weekend alone, I watched The Green Lantern, Batman Begins, and The Dark Knight. And I've loved all of them. And, <laughs> and it's so interesting and fascinating to me because like, it does not make sense on paper, but I'm really into it. They're like the only movies that can hold my attention. But I was watching Batman Begins uh, a couple nights ago, and there's a quote in it that if you've seen it, you probably have heard it. Um, but they say that it's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you. And as soon as I heard that, it just like struck me 
as like sort of the theme to this series we've been doing on intuition and developing your intuition and sort of finding that intuitive voice underneath your anxiety because I feel like for me when I was developing my intuition you know at least like the stepping stones and starting that that path I always felt really intuitive but I didn't follow my intuition and so it was almost like I was you know trying to trying to be intuitive but I wasn't actually trusting myself I wasn't actually you know, following those nudges, I was sort of like giving into my anxiety. And it wasn't until I started to lean into my intuition and and trust myself enough to like be wrong from time to time that I really feel like I not only sort of started living from this intuitive place and like this knowing myself place, but also I feel like that opened so many doors to me. So I don't know why that quote <laughs> stuck out to me so much, but I can't stop thinking about it. So hopefully someone listening needed to hear that too. But I felt like it was it was a quote that just sort of struck me as like the 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 theme of these episodes. Would you what do you what are your thoughts on that, Madison? <laughs> Bring it back to you, Madison. Mostly what I'm thinking is that I feel like I just crossed something off my demystify magic bingo card. Like Molly, Molly brings superhero movies into magic moment is just so out of left field (laughs) and not what I ever thought, where I ever thought we'd end up. (laughs) And yet it is so poignant. I do love that. I think that (laughs) it's fun to find all of the different ways that those kind of messages can find you. Mm-hmm. And especially in those places that you're not looking for it. Like that feels like an important part of that too. That I don't think you went into that movie thinking I'm like really going to have some deep thoughts about my intuition and <laughs> all of that. But you came out the other side like having had that experience. I think that's really fun and also a part of that message. Yeah. I always think it's interesting because like I, I obviously like I read and like absorb a lot of like spirituality content but the deepest messages and the most poignant quotes that stick with me and change my practice and my view on life never come from those resources. They mm-hmm. always come from like somewhere random. Uh-huh, something <laughs> silly. I think it's it really is a testament to when you're not looking for it is yeah. when you're most receptive. Mm-hmm, for sure. For sure. Tell me about your magic moment. Okay. So... One thing about me that is not new knowledge, um, we all have been, we've all known this about me, is that I'm the kind of person that will buy things to hang on my wall and they will sit there for months and months and months on the floor. <laughs> they will become floor decorations and not wall decorations. Sure. And so probably about six months ago, I went thrifting with some of my friends and bought these really cute prints and this really, really cute shelf for my kitchen. And I love this shelf. And it has sat on my kitchen floor for six months. I've kicked it like six times and really injured myself <laughs> because I forget it's there. Like it has become a nuisance to me to have this shelf that I love so much purely because I will not pull out a hammer. Mm-hmm. And on this past weekend, I just woke up with the itch. Mm-hmm. And I hung everything that I bought on that thrifting trip. It was like, I sent you pictures of everything. You know, it was a lot of stuff. They're beautiful. And there are some things that I didn't have frames to print. Those are coming today. Yes. Everything will be hung by the end of this week. But 
the most important part is that I hung that shelf and I put all of my plant propagations on it. Mm -hmm. I did that on Saturday. I woke up Sunday morning and checked on them. That's what I do every morning. Every morning I go check on my plants. I stick my finger in each of their little soils and then I go check on my propagations. It's my Mm -hmm. nice little morning routine. Um, If you've been listening since the beginning, you'll know that it has not always been that way. And you'll be glad to know that my plants are doing much better than they were (laughs) when we started the podcast. (laughs) They are an excellent representative of my mental health. But I went to check on my propagations and two out of the four had started to grow roots. Yeah, we love to see it. It was like a little gift, a little a little reward for doing what I had intended to do months and months ago and for having that energy and using it the way that I wanted to because sometimes I will have like a lot of energy in my body that I won't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. And so I just let it sit there and it turns into anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so instead... Because it starts out as a positive energy, but then sometimes just ha- like having it in my body for too long, I'm like, I feel upset and stressed out and I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I use it for something productive, it was just so nice to have it come back to me Yeah, in the form of little roots. I know. And when you were sharing this story, I said to you, you know, your environment affects your energy and it's going to affect the energy of your little plants too. So just by shaking up the energy in your environment, making the environment more energetically aligned, your plant babies have a better chance of growing. Yes. Maybe that's how I'll make sure in the future that I hang things up as soon as I get them. So I'll be like, it's impacting my plants to have all this clutter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're upset. Not it's impacting me to have all this clutter, which it is. (laughs) But we care more about the plants. We do. We're, we're plant people here. Mm-hmm. Hashtag little plant magic. Yes. Oh, those are my little treats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get started. Let's dive in. So we gave you a little bit of a disclaimer last week before we mm-hmm. started talking about clairsentience and claircognizance. We're going to give a similar disclaimer this time. We are going to talk about hearing things, seeing things. This is not to be confused with having hallucinations. Mm -hmm. If you are someone who has mental health issues that present themselves with hallucinations, that's something to take into consideration when you listen to this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that, you know, the first step is recognizing, is this intuition or is this anxiety? And anxiety is like, it doesn't have to be an anxiety disorder. It could be, you know, anything that promotes fear, worry, a sense of dread, things like that. So we want to make sure that it's super clear that like it could be intuition, it could be hallucinations. It all comes back to does it feel like light, expansive? Does it feel like a sense of trust or is there a sense of like foreboding fear? If you're not sure, the great option to talk to a mental health provider about it. Yes, 100%. None of the spiritual practices that we are going to talk about on this podcast will ever be a suitable replacement for therapy, for mental health treatment, for medication. Mm-hmm. That's just a blanket statement. For sure. So now that we have that out of the way, let's talk about what do you want to start with, clairvoyance or clairaudience? Let's start with clairaudience because this one is something that I find really interesting 
and didn't realize that I had had a clairaudient experience until we started doing some research for this episode. Yeah. So clairaudience is clear hearing. So essentially intuitive messages come to you through sound in some way. So that might be hearing words, hearing voices, hearing sentences. That could be a ringing in your ears, right? I hear that from a lot of people that when they're sort of like on to something intuitively, like they're kind of following a hunch, they'll get like ringing in their ears. It could also be songs that get stuck in your head. So if you've ever had a song that's kind of looping, I'm going to tell you right now, it's um for me, it's that song by Taylor Swift that's like, speak now, which I've never actually listened to. You mean the one called <laughs> speak now? Yeah, I've never actually listened to it. I've just heard it from TikTok. I didn't get into Taylor Swift until 1989. So <laughs> I'm excited to listen to Taylor's version and see what my intuition is trying to tell me about that. Love that you're so committed that you won't listen to the stolen version. You're like, I've got to wait for Taylor's version to receive this intuitive message. I mean, it's less than a week at this point, so I think I can make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe in you. <laughs> but when you have songs that are looping on repeat in your head, look at the lyrics to them because oftentimes there is some sort of reason that your brain is latching on to this song. Yes, that's my favorite way to think about Claire Audience because I have always been a very music-centric person. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason we really wanted to talk about the Claire's in this episode is because we have had the experience of only associating the Claire senses with their most obvious traits. Mm -hmm. So I have lived most of my life assuming like, oh, I don't experience clear audience because I'm not hearing full sentences of the future. Yeah. Like someone's whispering it in my ear right now. Yeah. Like Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets when yes. he's hearing like the... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's exactly. what I always think of with Claire audience. <laughs> That's so funny. Harry Potter experiences Claire audience is the alternative <laughs> title for that. <laughs> We're funny today. <laughs> but yeah, so when we started going through each of the Claire's and talking about different ways that we've experienced them or heard of other people experiencing them. And Molly, you're the one who said songs looping in your head. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. that happens to me all the time. And I think that's what I really enjoy about Claire Audience is that's the one really that in that moment I realized and kind of integrated the thing that we said all the time, which is that all of these senses are available to you. Yep. It's just finding how they relate to you and how they come to you and how they work in your life, which is obviously something that I've always believed, but it's a lot easier to believe for other people than it is for yourself. Mm -hmm. And clear audience is what really taught me that message. Yeah. I have a theory that the songs that we kind of get hyper fixated on, you know, the song that you can't stop playing on repeat, the reason that we get fixated on that over other songs is because there's some sort of information that spirit is trying to convey to us, whether it's the words in the song or, you know, the the tempo of the song, the vibe of the song, the energy of the song. It's a fun experiment to kind of sit with. Like, I remember very distinctly, there was a song that I hyper fixated on for a full year and a half. Like, it was the only thing I listened to for an excessive amount of time. And it was because it was like such a fun, upbeat song and I was in such a lull of my life and such like a dark place in my life that I needed that to balance me out. So 
I think sometimes it can be the words, sometimes it can be the energy of it. Sometimes I think it can be just like trying to signal to you what you need right now in some way. So I love like sitting with the song that's stuck in my head and just like almost like looking at it like I'm a scientist of like, okay, what is this trying to say to me? Yeah, that's such an interesting way to think about that too because I do the same thing where, Mm -hmm. and I hear a lot of people share this experience of like, I found a song I love and now I'm going to play it until I am sick of it because I can't stop. (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit more later about how to cultivate clairvoyance and clairaudience, but now that we're talking about it, that is such a great way to kind of cultivate that is Mm -hmm. to pay attention to and even look back on like, okay, what period of your life because for me, songs are very connected to time. Yeah, me too. A song too. that I really loved when I was 16, when I hear it, that's immediately the first thing I think of. So look back and kind of take inventory of, okay, like what messages could I have taken from these songs in that time? What did I really need to hear in that moment? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's often like if you're new to this, I think it's easier to look back on a time than it is to try and dissect right now because if you're like in the thick of it right now, you might not have all the information, but looking back on a time where you were like fixated on a song or it was stuck on your head all the time or you were singing it all the time, you have the full 360 view of that time. So you can kind of piece the puzzle pieces together. Yeah. And I think that's a really helpful way to connect to that Claire audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And acknowledge it too, because I think part of developing your intuition is in the acknowledgement mm-hmm. of of your clairs rather than just brushing it off as like a coincidence or just sort of like moving on to the next thing. I think it's like that acknowledgement builds trust. Just like when you acknowledge a friend when they're trying to tell you something, it builds mm-hmm. that friendship, right? Imagine if every week, Madison, you told your magic moment. And I was just like, whatever. Anyways, here's mine, <laughs> right? <laughs> like wouldn't have a very developed trust in relationship with that and it's the same thing with your clairs like you want to acknowledge them to build that trust so acknowledging like oh so interesting you know party in the usa has stuck in my head for the next six months like i wonder what miley's trying to tell me (laughs) (laughs) it's an excellent choice yeah (laughs) it was the first one that came to me i don't know (laughs) it was a good one speaking of clair audience i know madison you have a story Yes. So I've only experienced clear audience in the very traditional sense of like hearing once in my life. And it is so funny to me. I really hope that other people find it funny because it's kind of sad at first. And I kind of realized when I was like rehearsing it in my head. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. I don't know this story. (laughs) I promise it's funny to me. And so you're allowed to laugh. Okay. Cue the laugh track. In this past January, my grandfather passed away. That's not the funny part. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's not the part I want you to laugh at. I appreciate the disclaimer. This is when I realized it. So it's my paternal grandfather. It's my dad's dad who passed away in January. And my dad listens to the podcast and I didn't tell him this story. So strap in, dad. Hi, Um, dad. (laughs) Love you. But my grandfather passed away in January. So... After he passed away, I went to North Carolina, where I'm from, for the funeral, and I came home and felt it was really important that I make a space for him on my little altar space that I've got. I have a little cup of coffee grounds that I keep, actually, that is for his dad, 
my great grandfather, Grandpa Walsh. Mm-hmm. And he told me once a long, long time ago through um, a reading with a medium that he would really, really appreciate a cup of coffee. <laughs> and so I keep coffee grounds for him. And I came home from the funeral and thought to myself, oh, Grandpa Walsh has these coffee grounds on my altar. I wonder what my grandpa would want. And I heard clear as day, as if he were standing next to me, my grandpa in the most sarcastic voice go, a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to go to the store. I'm not a smoker. I couldn't remember for the life of me what cigarettes he smoked. I actually don't even think they had them at the at the Walgreens that I went to, but I had to go buy a pack of cigarettes to keep on my altar for my grandpa because I heard him. I couldn't even like, you just can't ignore that. Yeah, yeah. He basically <laughs> yelled it at me, but the way he said it in his voice, it was so funny to me and took me aback so much that I just laughed alone in my apartment. And that's my Claire audience story. That's incredible. And so you bet he's got his marble menthols. You bet he does. <laughs> Which you he bet did not he smoke, does. but eh, you know. I did my best, Grandpa. <laughs> I mean, he could have told you more clearly which brand. Yeah. But I mean, if you only got one word, you're using it wisely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. He knew that that's, he knew that there wasn't, I wasn't going to listen to a song that was going to tell me. So he was <laughs> like, I've got to use what I've got. <laughs> that's incredible. All right. So are we ready to move on to clairvoyance? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So clairvoyance this is going to be the one that you've almost definitely heard of seen in a movie heard about in a tv show whatever it is clairvoyance is clear seeing so most traditionally that's going to be seeing apparitions but it can also look like just seeing colors seeing shapes it doesn't have to be that like full-fledged i see someone standing in front of me And they're pointing at something or telling me something or, you know, I don't know, reenacting something. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to quite be like that. It can also be seeing auras. That's a form of clairvoyance. Having really vivid dreams. Anything that is super visual for you, that's going to be considered clairvoyance. Yeah. I also think like sometimes I hear people talk about clairvoyance as like your eyes are open and you're seeing things. But I want to also recognize that your eyes could be closed and you could be seeing things. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a really important distinction. Yeah, because like for me, I don't typically see things with my eyes open. I might see like flashes of light or like shadows out of the corner of my eyes. But for me, it's like when I close my eyes, I see images. And I also want to recognize that like the images don't have to be super clear and you may not have all the information attached to them. Clairvoyance was definitely one that was probably my last Claire to develop out of the ones that I'm strongest in now, but it is definitely, it's like slowly but surely becoming my strongest Claire over the last couple of years, particularly through like my different Reiki attunements, I feel like has just uncovered it more and more. But for me, the first time I ever had an experience with clairvoyance I actually told this story in Reiki training a couple of weeks ago, but a couple of years ago, I was doing a distance Reiki session for a friend. This was when I was first, first getting, getting started doing distance Reiki. So I was doing it to practice. And so we weren't on Zoom. We weren't on the phone. I was just like texting her. I'm going to start now. And she was like, okay, great. And while I was doing this session, I just, 
with my eyes closed, I kept seeing the color blue. It was like all these different shades of blue. And it reminded me of like waves or water or something. I wasn't really clear. And I never really got any further clarity than that. It was just sort of like, you know, when you stare into a light and then you close your eyes and the light, you can still kind of see the color from it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like that, but with the color blue and it was very clearly it was not going away. And so at the end of the session, I texted her and I was like, okay, we're done. Um, and just so you know, I kept seeing the color blue. So I don't know, maybe like go to the beach or go in the ocean or do something with water. Not sure. If it means anything to you, let me know. And she texted me back in all all caps. She was like, holy shit, I was in the bath. <gasps> and that was my first experience with clairvoyance. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you were in the bath? My favorite part of that is that the most important part was that you trusted yeah, and that you yeah. weren't afraid of being of being thought of as silly, of that you weren't afraid of being wrong, mm-hmm. is that you removed any sort of ego from it yeah, and just said, hey, this is what I saw. Not sure what the relevance is there for you. I think that is also something that people struggle with a lot when trying to develop any sort of psychic mm-hmm. ability is the idea that you have to be able to interpret the message perfectly and you have yeah. to be 100% right. Because, you know, the psychics that we see on TV, they're saying you're going to go to the beach tomorrow and you're going to see, I don't know. uh, The love of your life. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to meet your soulmate on the beach on July 23rd. Yeah. If anyone goes to the beach on July 23rd and meets their soulmate, please DM us. Yeah. Please let me know because then I'm going to be taking some real serious credit. Um, (laughs) But... That's not really what it looks like for yeah. even the most experienced psychics. Yeah. And I think for me, that's that's why I'm so like passionate about teaching in my Reiki training how you can trust the way that you're wired and how you can trust the information that comes through, even if it's not what you expect, even if you don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that was how my clairvoyance developed. I have very strong clairvoyance now. But when I started like my journey with Reiki in particular, I if I closed my eyes and you said, visualize Madison's face, I would not be able to do that years yeah. ago. And now my clairvoyance has become one of my strongest senses to the point where like almost every single time I do a Reiki session, I get some sort of information for the person through my clairvoyance. But it was only because as I was developing my Reiki practice, I was leaning on the trust of that. And it's one of the reasons why I like I tell my students over and over and over again, trust the way that you are wired. Like Reiki is going to show up differently to you. And like we spend a good amount of time in the training helping you develop that that trust and that confidence because that really is the key to developing your intuition in any any way right it's like recognize and reassure the tiger in your brain that you're not in danger acknowledge your intuition that's coming to you and then start to trust the information that you're receiving and trust it enough to risk being wrong and to risk being like i saw blue does that mean anything to you and the person being like no it doesn't because like if I had said nothing, I would have never gotten that confirmation. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, even if that hadn't been the experience that you had when your friend was in the bath and you saw blue, if you had still said, I saw blue and she was like, oh, I don't know. And then something happened to her the next day. Yeah. It's not always going to be so in the moment. Of, mm-hmm. you know, it's not always going to be poignant right away. How many stories have you heard of people who go see psychics or readers and 
think to themselves, oh, like, you know, what a load of baloney. And then a week later, a month later, a year later. Yeah. Yeah. They have. And that's because the people on the other side of that trust what they're saying and trust what they're seeing or hearing or feeling. Mm hmm. And I also want to acknowledge that, like, I have been wrong so many times. Yeah. Me too. I have said, you know, I saw this. Does that mean anything to you? And the person been like, no. I'm like, all right, cool. Great. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not like this thing where it's like you're going to be perfect 100 times out of 100. It's like it might be one out of 100. But if you don't, if you don't trust your intuition 100 out of 100, then you'll never get that one. And the thing is, the more every time you get that one, it becomes a two, it becomes a three, it becomes a mm-hmm. four, you know, like it builds on each other because you're building that trust with that confirmation, but also not attached to that confirmation to build the trust. Does that make sense? Yeah. Your intuition isn't just going to wake up one day and slap you in the face with a perfectly <laughs> clear, concise, and 100% correct message. Yeah. You have to learn how to speak the language that's being spoken to you. Yeah. The analogy that's coming through for me is like if you were learning to draw faces, right? The first couple of pictures you make, you know, when you're when you're a little tot, when you're a wee little tot is it's not even going to be like distinguishable as a face, right? Like think of your your finger painting drawings you did as a kid. But if you didn't make those, then you wouldn't end up in the art class in middle school where you drew like, you know, the best stick figure you ever drew. And then eventually with practice, it's like every time you draw that face, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer until it's like, oh, that's very clearly a face and it's very clearly Brad Pitt's face or whatever. It's like that's how you develop your your clairvoyance. It's like you just you just follow it each time and you just trust it each time. And the more you do it, the more clear it becomes. That is a really excellent analogy. And I would really love for somebody to round up all of the pop culture references we've made this episode because we're really on one today. <laughs> we're really on one. She watches five superhero movies and now now look at her. She's all pop cultured. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's get into how to develop these clear senses. Yeah. All right, so Molly touched on this a little bit earlier, but one of the first things that you might not have thought of that can help develop your clear senses is actually Reiki attunement. She talked earlier a little bit about how clairvoyance got stronger for her after her attunements. I've felt similarly in general with all of my clairs. Opening yeah. up to that energy, there's been a dramatic change in the way that I receive messages in the past year, mm. 18 months since I got my first attunement. Yeah. And and I love the Reiki attunement. If you're unfamiliar with what that means, it's just uh, something that we do in Reiki training that allows you to open up to the energy. So a Reiki master uses Reiki to open the energy channel from your crown to your hands so that the energy can flow for healing, relieve stress, anxiety, all that. Something we're doing in the training coming up. So again, check the show notes if you want to join us and learn more. (laughs) Um, But the attunement is Yes, it helps open up the the channel so that you channel the energy more, you're more receptive to these messages. But at the same time, learning Reiki in general is so powerful for your intuition, right? Because it is a tool that you can use to quiet your anxiety. It is a tool that you can use to kind of come into your body, to come into the present moment, which is, you know, we've talked at length about that's where your intuition is. And so it's one of those tools that like 
yes, it's going to create this immediate connection with your intuition, but it's going to help you sustain that connection every time you do it because you're automatically dropping out of that tiger brain into your intuitive side. Okay. So that's something that you can use to deepen pretty much any of the Claire senses we're going to talk about over these three episodes. But more specifically with Claire audience, my favorite method to develop and even just work with my clear audience is something that you might not have heard of. It's called shufflemancy. It's a form of divination. It is, in my opinion, the easiest form of divination. It requires almost no effort on your part. And I do it all the time in the car. Wherever you are, where you're most commonly listening to music is where I would suggest doing that because you're already in that space where you're ready to listen, where you're ready to receive messages that way. Think of a question, any question. It can just be, what do I need to hear right now? Put your entire Spotify or Apple Music or whatever library on shuffle and just press play. Yeah, I love that. Listen to that whole song and keep asking questions as you press next. Mm. I do that with the radio in my car. That's fun. Yeah. I I could not even imagine listening to the radio. So I'm happy for you, but could not be me. This is where we can tell that one of us is a millennial and the other is not. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Just as in our intergenerational friendship. (laughs) That's incredible. Another one that I really like for developing your clear audience is meditating on sound. And the reason for this is because there are so many sounds around you that you are sort of seeping in all day long and not noticing. And so the more you start to tune in to sound around you without judgment, without trying to trace the source of it, without trying to qualify it as like an annoying sound or a peaceful sound or whatever, the easier it's going to be for you to pick up on your clear audience, which oftentimes I find is subtle sounds. It's For me, it's never like cigarettes or whatever. <laughs> it's always like very <laughs> subtle, like, oh. When I tell you that was just how it sounded. <laughs> um, like that was a really good interpretation. <laughs> You're welcome. I was channeling grandpa right there. But so the meditation on sound is just as it is. You're going to no headphones, right? And just sit in the room that you're in. And I like to do this either as either on a scale from most subtle to most obvious sounds. So noticing like what is the most difficult sound for you to hear. So maybe it's like traffic outside your house or maybe it's the hum of the air conditioner or the refrigerator, right? To the most obvious. So maybe it's your neighbors walking around upstairs really loudly. Maybe it's a dog barking in the neighborhood or whatever. And sort of looking at it, piecing apart the sounds because oftentimes we hear sound as just like a landscape. And so it's like picking out one sound at a time. So you can do from most subtle to most obvious. The other one I like to do is from furthest away to closest. So noticing the furthest sound your ears can reach. Maybe it's, you know, again, traffic noise outside your house. Maybe it's something happening in another room to a little bit closer. Okay, sounds that are in the room that you're in. Maybe it's the crackle of a a, a wick on a candle. Maybe it's your cat purring in the corner, right? To the closest sounds of all. So the sound of your breath, the sound of your heartbeat, your stomach digesting that burrito from Chipotle earlier, whatever it is. So those are just two methods that you can kind of piece out different sounds from the landscape of sound. And bonus, it's like a really good way to drop into the present moment, drop out of your head because it gives your brain something to focus on that's constantly changing. 
Yeah. What you're going to notice about the exercises that we're going to give you is that they're going to be very focused on the sense itself in your body mm-hmm. and less on the intuitive part because that's going to come. And so if you're listening to this, I'm going to offer that as we go through these exercises and you hear one and you think to yourself, oh, that sounds really hard. That's the one that you need to do. Mm. Wherever you feel resistance is where I'm going to implore you to do some more discovery. Yeah. See why you have that. And also just, you know, not to geek too much about the science, but let's be honest, that's why you're here. But your brain does this thing called habituation. Addison, are you familiar with this? I can't remember if we've no, talked about it. Ready before. to learn. <laughs> so habituation is basically when your brain tunes out sensory information after it deems it it's no longer a threat. And so we see this happen a lot in sounds and smells in particular. So if you have ever walked into a room with a really strong air freshener and it like hits you in the nose, but then you're in the room for five minutes and all of a sudden you can no longer smell it, it's because your brain is taking in this information and being like, well, that's a smell. Is it going to kill us? Is it a tiger? No? Okay. Then we'll ignore it and we'll put our resources elsewhere to smelling the next thing. And so when you are doing these exercises that sort of bring your conscious brain into the sounds that your unconscious brain is sort of tuning out, it starts to strengthen your awareness of sound in general. And so you may find that you are more clear audience than you actually realize, but your brain is tuning out the sounds and sensory information that you're receiving because of that habituation. So just tuning your awareness to the sounds all of a sudden you're strengthening that muscle of being aware of sound and your clear audience now has a channel to come through. Yeah. And that's why it's going to feel a little difficult at first because you're literally wired to do the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a muscle that you have to strengthen, right? So the more you do it, the easier it's going to be. But the first couple of times you might find that like your brain is just like a ping pong ball trying to find sounds and thinking like, well, I don't hear anything in the room. That's normal. And the more that you can kind of like breathe and focus in on it, the more you can pick up on it. It's it's quite fun. I find it to be really fun because it's it's one of those mm, meditations that I don't have to worry about my brain ping ponging around because that's literally the point. <laughs> yeah. Once you give yourself permission to ping pong. Yeah. It becomes a lot easier to get out of that space. Yeah, exactly. And I say that about where you feel resistance because when you were explaining how to meditate on sound, my brain wanted to tune you out. (laughs) (laughs) At least she's honest. I immediately was like, no, I won't be like, I won't be doing that. Like I was like, I don't need this. I won't, I will not be laying in silence. Like I can't do that. I won't be doing that. And I had the, like what came through immediately was that's why you need to try it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it's, it's one of those that like, The other thing about this habituation is like when you start to focus in on it, it's like you're actively every time you listen to a sound and you breathe like that and you're just like in that stillness and you're not running away from the sound, you're acknowledging to your brain that it's not a tiger. So all of a sudden sounds become less annoying and less distracting, right? Like Mm -hmm. I've mentioned on the pod before that my first gig teaching meditation was in a rock climbing gym with the kids camp right above Mm -hmm. us and so it was like elephants running around techno music cold concrete floors 
But the thing about it is the people who came to that class told me, like told me that their meditation practice helped them so much in their life. And I didn't always get that feedback from people who meditated with me at like the peaceful serene studios because here's the thing is like when you're in that scenario where you have annoying sounds happening around you and you bring your awareness to them you're reassuring your brain that they're not like a tiger coming after you all of a sudden they become less annoying Mm -hmm. because you're able to sit with them and breathe with them and connect with them in a different way and for me now it's like I honestly feel like sounds that used to drive me nuts like the lawnmower right outside my window when I'm like filming TikToks no longer annoys me because I'm able to just be like okay I'm gonna stop I'm gonna breathe I'm gonna notice the sound <sighs> no longer a tiger detigerified detigerified <laughs> all right so let's move on to clairvoyance uh yeah. while we were talking about clairaudience Molly <laughs> wrote something in our little joint note for clairvoyance that I'm going to make you say first. Why did you write Princess Parking in clairvoyance? (laughs) So this is a practice that I learned from my friend Shea Grillo, who's like an incredible tarot reader, past life reader, intuitive guide. Love her to pieces, but she called it Princess Parking and it's all I can think of now. So this is a fun clairvoyance exercise that you can try next time you're going to the store, the grocery store, the mall, an appointment, parking in town, whatever. So before you get to your destination, you're driving there, do do do, driving along. You're going to close your eyes, not while you're driving, before you leave. Close your eyes, visualize yourself at the place, getting a parking spot right out front okay and visualize it in all the details see like you know sometimes I'll visualize a whole scene where I'm like circling 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 and then a car leaves the perfect spot just as I'm coming up on it and I just have like the perfect parallel park into it or whatever you're going to visualize as clearly as you can getting this parking spot and then you're going to drive to the place and just let it go let it go. I did this, Madison, the first time I came to visit you because I was real nervous yeah. about parking. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to get a spot out front. I'm just going to get a spot out front. I circled like three times and then finally the perfect spot opened up. And it was like not just one spot, but it was like three spots that I could choose from and I could back my little rental car into it. Was it on that little front street? So it was parallel parking? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Three open spots. That's like the perfect situation (laughs) for a parallel park. I I love that. Yeah. And so this is a really fun one to practice your clairvoyance and also to practice releasing expectations around Mm -hmm. your clairvoyance because expectations are something that will block your intuition, which we could do Mm -hmm. a whole podcast episode about that. But princess parking is super fun. It's, it's always fun because it's like there's like this element of excitement to the drive. And then when you do get the spot, you're like, it worked. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love that because it's so low stakes. Yeah, yeah. Like the worst thing that happens is that you don't get princess parking. And so you park in a normal parking spot and you walk and then you move on and you do it again. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So something that you've probably heard of before that can also be used as a clairvoyance exercise is dream journaling. We talked a little bit before about how vivid dreams can be a form of clairvoyance. Mm -hmm. And so taking detailed notes when you wake up, as soon as you wake up, as quickly as possible, taking detailed notes of everything that you can remember and keeping a log, that will then allow you when 
you're actually receiving intuitive messages through your dreams, you'll be able to go back and filter through, okay, what what was in the dream that I can now take with me to see when it's happening, I'm receiving an intuitive message. Like if there's always one specific person, if there's always like a red bird mm-hmm. in the dream and that's your tell, the only way to find that tell is to have data to look back on, is to have a log. Yeah. Something that just came up, as you said, the red bird that we didn't list here, but I'm going to share here because it's our podcast. We can cry if we want to, is to ask the universe for a sign that you can see so but to be Mm -hmm. really specific so the way that I like to do this if like I'm at a crossroads and I'm like should I do this or should I not do this is I'll say if x is what I should do show me a butterfly and if x is not what I should do show me a dragonfly or whatever and then look for those signs right Mm -hmm. so these could show up as actual tangible butterflies and dragonflies or whatever you decide for for yours Um, typically it should be something that you could see but you're not going to see like immediately so if you're wearing a shirt with a butterfly on it don't say butterfly (laughs) Um, but for me I did this a couple of months ago and I have in my bathroom um, instead of tea light holders I have those like glass yogurt jars Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen I haven't seen a butterfly or a dragonfly recently. Maybe maybe the universe didn't get my message. And so I went to light my tea light and I saw that the yogurt jar, which still has the labels on them, by the way, because I can't be bothered, had a little butterfly image on it. So it could show up like that. You could also you could see it, but you could also hear it. Right. So that clear audience, maybe the TV show you're watching, somebody's talking about a dragonfly. Mm-hmm. So this is a really fun one because it's again, it's low stakes. I will do it like for random stuff. I will be like, if I should get pizza for dinner on Friday night, show me a butterfly. And if I should not get pizza, show me a dragonfly and like build up to some of the bigger, you know, if if I should quit my job, show me a butterfly. If I shouldn't show me a dragonfly, you know, um, but that's another like really fun way to play with both clairvoyance and clairaudience because it can come through in either way Mm -hmm. what came through to me is (laughs) this is so stupid (laughs) I can't wait (laughs) this is a really easy one to do if you are one of those people that often struggles to decide what to have for dinner yes yes you said if I should have pizza or if I shouldn't have pizza and I immediately was like oh my god if I can't decide if I want chipotle or Moe's yeah that's what I'll be doing yeah just make sure if you're giving two options so chipotle or Moe's Give a give a or something else as a third option. So like butterfly for Chipotle, dragonfly for Moe's, something else, show me a turtle or whatever. That way, if you don't see either sign, it's not like, oh, did I just miss it? Or was it mm-hmm. supposed to be something else? Yeah, I love that. I will be adopting that immediately. <laughs> as you I should. I think also so- <laughs> something to keep in mind is like little things like that. If you hear something that feels really fun or if you think of an adaptation that feels really fun, Mm -hmm. find that equal balance of like the things you feel resistance to and the things that feel fun and exciting. Yeah. Because those are also the things that you will actually put into practice. You know, like that's a real gap I find in my life is that I'm very indecisive in that way. Mm -hmm. And so if I have this long-term goal of I want to improve my clairvoyance or my clairaudience and I have a short-term goal of I would like to know what I need, what I want to have for lunch. Yeah. You can combine those goals in like a fun and silly way that is also 
moving towards your long-term goals. Yeah, I think it's really good for your brain too to have that evidence in the smaller, less, you know, life-altering decisions than mm-hmm. to just like dive full into like the bigger things because a lot of times like you know, back in the day when I was developing my clairvoyance, if I got assigned to like, you know, make some drastic change, I'd be like, well, maybe I'll just wait into another sign to confirm. Uh (laughs) But like, if you start with like small, sometimes even like silly, you know, uh, signs and like trusting that, then you start to build to the bigger things. I make, I think it makes it much easier. Mm -hmm. That's definitely a really like fun way to build trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's something that can often sound daunting. And so like make it silly. I think that's a really great piece of advice is like don't take it too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. And even like choosing like, oh, like a butterfly and a dragonfly, like fun, light, airy things. Yeah. Yeah. For your fun, light, airy choices. Life is stressful enough. This is meant to help you decrease the amount of stress, not add to it. (laughs) Yes. Something else that is helpful with clairvoyance is any kind of visualization practice. And I know, I know that for some people, visualization is very difficult, especially if you have aphantasia where you literally like you close your eyes and you see black. But that is exactly why you should practice it. Because when it is hard and you stick with it, that's like such a cool, clear sign of that trust. And I don't mean like, do a visualization and it'd be hard and to like hate it every second of the day. It's like, how can you find ease around something that is maybe doesn't come naturally to you? So here are some visualizations that you can explore. One of them is to whatever room you are in, look around the room with your eyeballs, not with your elbows, with your eyeballs, and take in as much visualization as you can as much visual information as you can with your eyes open. So like what color are the walls? What's on the walls? What are the things around you? What does the floor look like? Really take it in, spend a few minutes doing that and then close your eyes and see if you can rebuild any part of the room in your mind. So that might be at first just the fact that there are walls. Great. That might be the color of the walls. That might be the fact that there are four of them. That's fine. It's like slowly building, building, building up to eventually maybe you get to the point where if you're facing forward, you can see in your mind's eye the things behind you or to the sides of you. And I think this is such a cool practice. I do this one often like when I'm falling asleep at night because it's a nice way to like quiet your brain down. Again, giving it something to focus on that it's habituating so that you can quiet the mind come into the present moment. Another one that you can do is visualizing on color or on light or anything that comes more naturally to you. So I heard from someone who's a, a listener of the pod. Thanks for thanks for your DM and your nice words. But they were saying that they struggle with visualizing light, but visualizing roots coming out of the body is really, really natural to them. So my recommendation is like, go with that, go with what feels natural, go with what feels easy. And then you can build up to the things that don't feel as easy. Yeah, that was one so cool to get a message from someone giving like real concrete ways that the podcast has helped them and like been interesting to them. And two, to hear the different ways that people see something Mm -hmm. is so cool to me. What I love so much about talking about the Claire's is 
hearing from you and hearing from other people when I talk about it in like normal life how other people experience all of these clear senses so like if you experience any of the clairs in a way that we haven't spoken about on the pod please dm us and tell me about it in as much detail as you feel comfortable with because I am so interested in it yeah it's so fascinating to me I still like you know I've been working with the clairs for years and still to this day it's like oh that could be that could be clear audience. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Like I would have never thought of shufflemancy as like a form of clear audience, but it's so true. Yeah, I've, I've experienced the same thing with you talking about how you experience the clairs, like seeing auras. I had never thought about that until we like really mm-hmm. did a deep dive on what it could be because you just don't know what you don't know, right? And oftentimes you don't know what you don't experience. Yeah, yeah. And so I love the vast and different ways that people can experience intuition and psychic abilities. I just think it's so fucking cool. It's so cool. And next week we are continuing this series. So we've talked about the four main clairs, but there are some lesser known clairs. And I'm going to be honest with you. Some of these were new to us and some Mm -hmm. of these I'm still not convinced are (laughs) helpful. (laughs) I'm really excited for this conversation because I think this is one of the first times that Molly and I have like had to agree to disagree. Yeah. (laughs) And I can't wait to see how that plays out. (laughs) Yeah. One in particular, I'm like, I just don't think it's helpful to (laughs) classify Claire in this way, but Madison disagrees. So if you want to see that friendly showdown, make sure you tune in next week. And we would also love, love, love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So if you haven't already, drop us a review on Apple or on Spotify or send us a DM. We love to hear from you. I literally like happy cry squeal every time I get a DM from someone who listens to the pod. So can't wait to to get your thoughts on this one. Yeah, if you could see our messages, it's just us sending screenshots back and forth to each other and just crying emojis. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. much our conversations these days. So please don't hesitate to let us know your magic moment. Let us know how you practice some little treat magic, maybe some little plant magic. I would love that one. <laughs> and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Demystify Magic with Molly and Madison. If you want to learn more about us, you can find all our links in the show notes. We'd love to know what you think of today's episode. So drop us a review or give us a shout out on social media. And don't forget to let us know your magical moment of the week. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.